I'm Phil Dobby and welcome once again to the Executive Central Podcast as we continue our series looking at building a performance culture. Today, how do you unlock the full potential of people? That's today on the Executive Central Podcast. And Rob Barmer joins me again, Managing Director at Executive Central. A uh, performance culture is obviously all about getting the best out of people. So how do you unlock their true potential? Do people even know what their true potential is? Well, if they did, I mean, wouldn't people just naturally work to that full potential? I mean, if they presumably if they're engaged in their job, they would. Well, you'd like to think they do. Um, but I, I would I would argue, Phil, that in the majority of cases, that isn't the case. Um, and I, I'd probably go so far as to say, you know, this whole discussion of potential, you, you need to, it's, it's almost an article of faith, if you like, that mm. you really need to believe that every person has this p- potential locked up inside them that's really busting to come out. Right. You know? <laughs> and in the majority of cases, sadly, uh, my experience is that um, people don't let that potential out. Um, they tend to leave it bottled up. And so so a couple of things, you know, the only person that can let their potential out is a person themselves. You know, mm. you can't force it out of them and all that sort of stuff. Is that because um, they don't know the potential's there? Are they underestimating themselves or is it, or is well, it because it they, they be. feel like they can get away with doing less? No, you're spot on. They can be. They can maybe not realise their potential. And let's face it, when we all start off early in life, we don't know what we're capable of until it sort of emerges and we we build sets of experiences. But um, sadly, for people, you know, on the other side of the coin, for people who who do have a lot of potential locked up in them, the reason they don't let it out a lot is that they probably don't feel safe to, or they really feel that it's it's better and safer to engage in pursuits that are not going to put them at risk, right? right? So yeah. that's where you get the situation where um, if people aren't locking their full potential, they're really just going through the motions mm. and they're doing enough to satisfy the bare bones of you know, what their expectations of their job is. Right, they're playing, um, it, they're playing it safe, in other words. Correct, they're playing it safe, right? So, so I'd put this whole issue... Uh, down as a really critical leadership challenge and cultural challenge for that matter. Because if we've got, a, as every organisation does, we've got a population of people, if you take it as an article of faith that that population of people has a massive amount of potential that is yet to be released, mm. then really one of your fundamental jobs as a leader is to work out how to release that, how to unlock that potential. And I imagine this is very age-specific, isn't it? Because as you get older, I think you probably get a, a clear idea of, uh, of of what that potential is. And perhaps you're more ready, based, based on your experience, to take those risks. Whereas if you're, for example, a, a 20-something that's uh, fairly early on in their work life, uh, it, it's, it's scary and you do you definitely don't want to do the wrong thing. Well, look, I, I wish that was the case, Phil. I, I, I don't think that is the case, though. No. I, I would argue that probably a lot of older people who do, I would, I would say they probably do have a better idea in the majority of cases of what their potential is or what they're good at, but they've also had a much longer uh, road of experience. And depending on what their experiences have been over the course of their life and their career, um, a lot of older people are even more risk averse because mm. they are actually afraid of what could happen because of what they've seen happen in mm. the past. And they'd be worried so, about worried you know, about losing their job because they lose their job. They're worried about whether they'll ab- get another absolutely. one. Absolutely, mm. yeah. So they don't they don't sort of have the runway that a younger person has in their career. So they're probably a lot you know um, more scared, if you like, to do anything that might 
that uh, you know cost them their job or, or uh, you know really put them in financial hardship towards the end of their careers or the latter stages of their careers. So yeah, I don't think it's an age thing, Phil. Mm. I, I I would argue that there are young people, for example, who are uh, more inclined to take risks because you know they're probably um, you know let's call it more naive or they're they're they've got a greater sense of faith and trust in the world. Yeah, um, well, they want to change and, that world. And, and they want to change that world. That's mm. right. So you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, studies and, and research done into the millennials generation and and Generation Y even. Um, you know, saying those generations, they're a lot more they're they're more impatient and they're they're not prepared to just sit back and accept things as oh this is the way it's always been. Yeah. And, you know, fundamentally, I think that's a good thing, provided it doesn't go too far and they get impatient um, to the extent that it's it's detrimental. Yeah. Okay. I, I only mentioned the age thing because I feel like I have a clear understanding of my potential the older the older I've got, uh, and yes. I and I have taken more risks. But maybe I'm a little bit unusual. It's a bit different when you work for yourself as well, of course, because you have to take risks otherwise you don't survive. Uh, maybe that's who, rather than working for a company but you you yeah. you believe there's different types of leaders and uh, and different types of leadership styles that can bring out this potential in yeah people. i do um and, and as i said i really think if if uh, leaders kind of embrace this concept of unlocking potential um then we really need to be looking as leaders as to how we're operating and you know look there's a there's a thousand different leadership models and theories that are out there and they're all you know many of them are really really good i think that the challenge is it's often hard to stay across what they're all saying um what we've done in, in executive central is is we've organized a, a sort of a simple framework that talks about three basic types of leaders we call it the i we you framework meaning that there are what we would call i leaders or, or i leadership there's we leadership and there's you leadership um and you know that that whole journey if you like or or progression that people make through those three phases um goes a long way to determining how much of this potential they're able to unlock in their people so is everyone one of these three types and is one type right and the other two wrong or i mean talk me through it yeah well look it's it's really the way i tend to think of it is it's more of a a progression and if we think of it as as layers of an onion if you like the 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 center of the onion is what we would call eye leadership and, you know, there are some really important critical things that leaders need to develop in that space around I, around themselves, uh, in order to be good leaders. So, for example, things like self-awareness, self-management, decision-making, professionalism, uh, you know, leading by example, they're all things that are around what the leader themselves does, right? And they're critical to have in place. So, you know, if you don't have those things developed, you're going mm. to struggle, uh, you know, across the board. But the issue is if you get stuck at that I leadership level and you fail to progress beyond it, then there are some not so good consequences. And fundamentally, it tends to be that it ends up being all about the leader. You know, mm. it's all about me as the leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that can manifest yeah. in lots of different ways. It can be the leader needs to be in control of everything. Yeah. They need to have every decision go through them they need to be the ones that are getting the pat on the back for how 
great yeah. a job they've done. We've you all know, seen the, leaders like that who it's all about yes. their, it's all about their ego, isn't it? And I guess you, you have to understand if you are the leader, you've got to understand your potential before you can understand the potential in others. Well, that's right, and that's a big part of the, on the positive side of our leadership. You know, that self awareness piece that we're talking about is not just aware of what I like and what I do. It's what's my potential. Mm. What can I do? Uh, but you see, in that eye space, and isn't it funny? I'm sure as people are listening to us, Phil, they're kind of thinking, oh, I know one of those, you know, or I've worked for one of those. Um, People are probably preparing lists right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, And, you know, it it is, it can be very frustrating working for an eye leader or a person who's gotten stuck at that level. Um, But fundamentally, if we come back to this issue of potential, the biggest problem with eye leadership is that it ends up creating a bottleneck. Mm the leader themselves becomes a bottleneck because no matter how good they are as an individual, they are failing to leverage or unlock the potential of others, right? And it all becomes about them. So, look, I've seen this thousands of times over the last 20-odd years where the person themselves, the leader, is a terrific person. They are incredible with their skill and ability, but they're only one person. And there is no way in this world that we're living in that one person can be across everything. So obviously that then suggests the need to us, you know, to gravitate to the next level of the onion, if you like, which is the we leader. But does that does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Leadership space. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. so you, so the we leader, you're you're starting to say, well, okay, let, let's work as a team rather than it just being about me. Yeah, you've got it. This mm. this is where we make this transition from it all being about me to realizing that hang on, I do need to leverage others. And that's a big part of what leadership is. So at this level, again, the good traits of a we leader are things like their ability to galvanize people around a common goal, you know, and to therefore build a team of people that are contributing in different ways towards that goal, right? Um, But even more basic than that, you know, we leaders tend to sort of grasp some of the core concepts of emotional intelligence, for example, where they will you know, realize that, hang on, I need to work out how I can get the best out of Rob and maybe I need to flex my approach in order to do that, right? Rather than getting Rob to work the way I want to work, that's a very I-leadership sort of approach, the we leader will tend to start flexing that style and using emotional intelligence in that way. So clearly, that's a really important transition out to that point um, and, you know, is a, a better um evolution, if you like, of, of the leadership spectrum. But there is a but as well right. <laughs> in this. Uh, and there and the problem is, again, if we get stuck at this we leadership level, the danger can be that it can be all about me and my team. Mm. Um, and so this is where you start to see <laughs> things like silo behavior yeah. cut in, you know, yeah. Yeah, I really don't care about anyone else other than what we're doing. And it's almost a real us and them mentality to the rest of the organization. Um, now, I, I can, I, I, every time I talk about we leadership, I think if only I had known this back in my days working at Compaq, because I put my hand up, I was the world's biggest we leader, right? I, I created this very dynamic young team of people in the consumer division that I was running, mm. but our entire goal in life was to be the best division, 
Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. And so we were hugely competitive with the other divisions and in, in, to the extent that we were hostile towards them at times. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I, I look and back it, and I it feel is. embarrassed about that, but it's true. Yeah. Well, we've all we've all got, the, you know, we've all matured in the, in the years, haven't, haven't we? It's, yes. uh, but it, it is, it's not really much of a development beyond the eye leader because probably the reason why you wanted it to be the best division was because it's all about you. You are heading the best division. Well, that's exactly right, Phil. I, I tend to say there's still a lot of I in the we leader mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, because because I want to be the leader of the best team, which is still really fueling a lot about me as well. Um, but look, let's not diminish well the we leaders because mm. you know they they do have a, a significant step in the right direction there because of their ability to galvanise, you know, and to get team. people yeah. you know, around the team. So of you course, that means we need to move beyond the you leader. So the you leader, I'm guessing, is that's where you actually are working with individuals to say, well, okay, how are you working? How are you? Uh, how can we get your potential to work across the organisation? Yeah, well, that's that's right. You're on the on the right track there. It, this is really where a, a you leader is someone who gets the fundamental point that the core, uh, um, what would I say, goal of their role is to unlock the potential of everyone else. Now, that's not just their own people that they're leading. That's everyone else. That's their peers. That's leading upwards in the organization. Mm. So this is where you start to see things like people's ability to influence um, you know, their ability to lead and manage change and really get people on board with change. But, you know, higher is if you want to think this is really taking an organizational perspective to things. So strategic thinking kicks in here. Innovation that we've spent a lot of time talking about in other podcasts. Um, a you leader is someone that's thinking at that broader level, uh, which is all terrific, by the way, but it's a hell of a lot easier said than done. Mm. No, it's, I mean, it sounds like it sounds great. It sounds like an ideal. I'm just thinking: Are there any organisations like this where you have people who are, who are saying, "Well, not only how do I do my job the best, how do I get other people to do their job the best as well, so that we all, uh, as a, yep. as a group, um, you know, really outperform?" And that that means you have no uh, uh, office politics whatsoever. Everybody is just looking out for everybody else. I'm not sure an organisation like that exists, does it? Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I think it, they do. They do oh, exist, at, or at least parts of organisations exist. Let's all go like and work that. for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I tell you what, um, they are the most sought-after places to work for. Yeah, I'm sure. You know? um, so it's interesting, you know, people, organisations will spend a lot of time um, trying to measure their the engagement of their staff and the quality of the culture and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we, we've done a lot of that as, as an organisation ourselves working for clients. And I can bet, I can tell you where the U leaders are because you can see it in the picture of their culture. Mm. Uh, it's a very constructive culture, but fundamentally it's one where people are actually feeling safe to unlock their full potential, as we're saying. And what, what is what does actually that mean? Well, they're putting in over and above discretionary effort on things. Yeah. You know, this is where they really do believe in the cause. Um, so, and they trust know, in, a, trust in people in the organisation as well. I would have thought to to be able to do well, that. That's the key word. That's one of the key words you've just used there, Phil. Is trust, right? And I I, I kind of want to, you know, um, if you really break this down, I'll come to this in a moment about how much of someone's potential ends up getting unlocked, if you like. I've I've sort of created a little formula which I'll hit you with. But um, just before we go off the U leader, the fundamental thing about the U leader themselves is that, you know, in order to do all those great things, you know, they really need to have a very um, good level of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. In other words, they don't need other people patting on the back, patting them on the back all the time. They're, they're, they're confident in their own ability. Um, they've got to have humility 
you know, they need to be resilient. They're happy to be challenged, for example, um, all of those sorts of stuff. So in some of the leadership um, models that are out there, things like transformational leadership and, and authentic leadership, a lot of those traits are really describing what we would call a you leader. Um, now, as I said, that's a pretty evolved creature, mm. you know, um, and, you know, there are probably times that, uh, you know, we all sort of span that spectrum at different times. So we would argue it's it's you have to have all of those layers of the onion in place. You can't just be sitting on the outside at the you leadership level without the ability to kind of tap into the we and the I as well. Uh, when, but, but if you are a you leader, you've sort of learnt, you've earned the right to occasionally drop back into the we and the I space. So if I give you a very practical example, you know, a you leader would be someone who tends to um, collaborate well and consult with people. So they'll, they'll go and get people's input and ideas on an issue or something like that. But if you stay out at that you leadership level, you'll be consulting until the sun goes down, you know, constantly. Mm. And somewhere along the line, the leader then needs to be able to go, all right, well, look, I've heard everyone's thought. We've had a good debate. My call is that we're going to do this. Right. Um, my decision is that I think we'll go this way for now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like I feel like I've dropped into the I space and I've owned the decision, but I've done it after consulting. And, and that's a fundamentally different thing to an I leader who would turn up and say, right, this issue exists. Here's what we're going to do about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah. everyone goes, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. Um, but they don't have any buy-in to it. Yeah, and buy-in obviously is crucial, isn't it? So, okay, give us the formula yeah. then, where, where yeah. trust is part of it. All right. Well, look, it's a very simple formula, but it basically says the p- potential unlocked in a person equals trust multiplied by energy. And uh, that's it, right? right? Now, in other words, trust meaning how much trust do they have in the organization in the environment and in the leader so because if they have high levels of trust um they're like they're much more likely to feel safe as we've said to unlock their full potential Mm. Uh, the energy part of it comes down to how much energy do they feel towards you know what we're trying to do here yeah which is where the buy-in comes from yeah, is it worth? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Is what we're doing here worth my energy to actually bother to go above and beyond? Yeah. Right? So so if you just think about that, and, and what I like about a simple little multiplication sum like that is if you think about it, in a multiplication sum, if either of those operators, the things that we're multiplying together for the non-mathematicians, is zero, the answer is zero. zero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you can have all the belief and energy in the cause, but if you don't trust the organization or the leader, you'll get no potential unlocked and vice versa. We might have a great relationship and trust everything about the organization and the leader, but we don't think the cause is worthwhile. Yeah. So this is if you if you, I suppose what we're trying to do with this formula is give leaders a a way of zeroing in on what can I really do to not only unlock potential but progress towards this new leadership. Um, and, you know, if we think about trust, um, obviously there's the honesty, dishonesty element of trust. So being honest and true to our word is important. But I, but I think practically the more relevant things are things like are we actually walking the talk of our stated values mm. in the organisation? You know, if we say this is what we believe in and this is what's important to us, well, do we actually do that? Because you know what? If we don't, people's brains are pretty simple. We go, well, they say one thing, but they do another, so we can't trust them. Boom. End of trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, this and, is- you know, 
potential gone. So this makes a lot of sense. I guess the big question to ask then, just to just to round off, and I'm sure a lot of people have been thinking about this as as, as we've been talking, is I mean, asking yourself, are you actually a you leader? And uh, and can, can anyone be a you leader? I mean, you can. It just obviously you've just got, as you said, you've got to have the uh, humility, a bit of the experience. I think probably a lot of it comes from experience, doesn't it? As you say, having been through those other two uh, leadership yeah. styles first, and uh, anyone could do it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and look, I, I do seriously consider this as an evolution. Mm. Um, and you probably never really cross the finishing line on this race. You know, you never, oh, right, I've, I've broken the tape. I'm now a U-leader. Um, the truth is there are constantly different scenarios that a leader is going to be faced with, changes that are going on in their environment, et cetera, et cetera, where, you know, you're, you're challenged in ways that you haven't been challenged before. But I think it's being able to sort of sit back and go, well, if I look at this IWU framework here, you know, what do I need to be bringing to the party for this particular situation? How can, you know, how can I be in the U space? Where am I going to need to really tap into the we and the I as appropriate, mm-hmm. right? Um, unfortunately, when people don't think about these things, that they'll tend to sort of blunder into it and they might get it right. Um, but more often than not, they probably don't. Yeah. Um, and it has those sort of negative consequences of people ultimately just shutting up shop and saying, well, all right, we'll just do what we've been told here. We'll comply with what the leader is asking us to do. Yeah. And when that sort of stuff's up, we'll go, see, it wasn't my fault. It was his. Yeah. or hers, you know, and, and that's not a great positive culture to be building, Phil. No, absolutely not. Five o'clock comes around, I'm right out the door because I don't care too much about this company. Yeah, very wise words, Rob. Absolutely. Great to talk, and we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, mate. Certainly will. All the best. Doesn't he just uh, talk a lot of sense? He's like the Dalai Lama of the business world, and that is the Executive Central podcast for today. More for me and Rob Barmer next time. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues about the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.